you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C Y M B I O T I K A dot you know that feeling when you walk into your home take a deep breath and feel new well that's what it's like to use clorox sentiva because clorox sentiva smells like coconut cleans like clorox and feels like energy it'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway discover how clorox sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're the ones who are calling plays this year. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. We got specialists in the building. Hytham, Josh, Susie, give yourselves a round of applause. Uh, we're back-to-back days for uh, the first time. This is probably the only time we'll do back-to-back days for podcasts, I think, this year, right? We're, we're, we're twice a week now, but not, not necessarily consecutive days. Very different from last year. Very different from last year. Like, I sat home yesterday afternoon. I'm like, I got a whole other podcast I got to, pre- uh, to prepare for. Like, ah, I got to do some work. Um, <laughs> we got a busy show for you today. We'll continue our division previews. Uh, yesterday was the AFC East. You can go back and check that out. Today is the NFC East. On top of that, a special guest, Warren Sharp. Uh, he of Sharp Football, uh, a very sharp mind when it comes to football, going to come in and uh, talk to us about a number of things, maybe some of the offenses that he thinks could take a step forward this year. Uh, not a lot in the way of news since we spoke to you yesterday, so let's just dive in with the NFC East. And as always, uh, these are alphabetical by city. I am not predicting an order of finish, so we will start with the Dallas Cowboys. Last year, your top quarterback scorer from Dallas, no surprise, Dak Prescott, 213 points, QB 18. Tony Pollard was your RB1 in fantasy from Dallas, uh, just under 250 points, RB8. C.D. Lamb, just over 300 points, the wide receiver 5. And Dalton Schultz, who was uh, no longer in Dallas, he was your tight end 10. Uh, the big losses, Ezekiel Elliott, who is still a free agent as we talk to you right now, Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz. Some of their key additions in free agency, they bring in Ronald Jones and Brandon Cooks. They draft Luke Schoonmaker and Deuce Vaughn. And when you're checking ADPs, uh, first guy off the board, no surprise, C.D. Lamb, ADP of around 13 overall uh, for C.D. So a couple questions when we look at this offense. Last year, Dak Prescott was the QB 18. 
every year where he has been healthy and played at least 15 or 16 games, he has been a top 10 guy. Last year he was hurt. I believe played 12 games, finishes as the QB 18. Um, are we undervaluing Dak Prescott in drafts right now? Maybe a little bit. Dak is one of those players to me that I'm like, I, I do feel like we're underrating him. And then I look at my own rankings and I'm like, well, that's where I have him ranked <laughs> as well. Like he's my QB 13. And uh, I like I have Deshaun Watson, Anthony Richardson, Tua Tungavailoa and Daniel Jones ahead of him. Him and Daniel Jones, I think, are in the same group. But the other three, the reason I have them ahead of Dak is because I just think the ceiling is higher. Like, I, I think Dak's ceiling is top 10, whereas I think Watson, Richardson, and if things break right for Tua and he stays healthy, I think they could be even better than that um, because of what they give us with their legs in some instances or the high-powered offense of the Dolphins. But I do think... Dak is not getting the same pass that some other quarterbacks are getting. Like, yes, he turned the ball over a bunch. He had the most multi-interception games in NFL history by any player who missed five games or more. Wow. Like, his career interception rate, I mean, his interception rate last year was double his career norm. And I, I don't see a single person being like, oh, well, he broke his hand, and that probably played a factor. But for Aaron Rodgers... Everyone is saying, oh, it's the broken hand and stuff. We pick and choose, I think, when we put these narratives in place and when we don't. And I think Dak deserves a pass for last year. Like, it, it was one bad year where he hurt his hand. That being said, I I don't think he has, like, top five upside or anything like that. Right. No, I don't think he does either. Uh, right now, in, in early redraft ADP, I see him as the QB9 going somewhere in the seventh round. Uh, just behind Trevor Lawrence, just ahead of Deshaun Watson. And honestly, I, I would probably put Watson ahead of Prescott. I think the ceiling maybe is a little bit higher for Deshaun Watson. Uh, weirdly, Tua is at 12. I think that's an injury concern thing, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm with you. I think, I think he does sort of get unfairly maligned for things. I think that is something that comes with being the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I will also say that I feel like the people who complain most about the narratives are also the people who sort of start the narratives, which also happen to mostly be Cowboys fans. Like, I think, like, I feel like Cowboys fans, they're Tim Robinson in the hot dog costume. Like, we're all trying to find oh, the guy who did this, right? Like, <laughs> like, Cowboy fans complain about Dak Prescott, and then it turns into a national narrative, and then they turn around and complain about the national narrative. And I'm like, well, you set this fire. Why are you complaining about it? Um, Sorry, that's my own little rant. But I, I do think <laughs> I do think Dak probably deserves a little bit more love. I think right now the, the QB9 is probably about right. Uh, 9, 10. I, I think he's definitely better than he was last year. I think the interceptions come down this year. I think having Brandon Cooks uh, helps a lot this year in terms of that because now he's got a second wide receiver. Uh, you know, now you got Tony Pollard also there catching the football and that that whole thing. I think that that's going to help a whole lot. Speaking of which. Is Brandon Cooks back to being a thousand yard receiver this year? I think so. Um, I he has every time he has joined a new team via trade, he has gone for a thousand yards that first season. And I think your point uh, about the receivers um, is one that gets overlooked with Dallas last year. Like, yeah, they had Ceedee Lamb, who is amazing, and went for almost fourteen hundred yards. They did not have another player have six hundred receiving yards. So less than half of what C.D. Lamb himself put up, no other player was able to do. And then you talk about who their options were. Dalton Schultz is a really reliable tight end, but he is not an explosive downfield weapon like Brandon Cooks. Michael Gallup was working his way back from the injury. Noah Brown is Noah Brown. Like, no offense to him. He's not Brandon Cooks. So you now put the explosive. This is the best top two receivers they've had since they got rid of Amari Cooper. Uh, and I think that helps... Dak Prescott, I think uh, it helps CeeDee Lamb a bit and takes some defensive attention away. But yeah, I think Brandon Cooks, as long as he stays healthy, will have another bounce back year. I mean, he's a year removed from being a thousand yard receiver. Yeah, he's not really that far off from it. And last year was just an awful year in Houston all around. Uh, I got to ask, is, is are you into Michael Gallup at all this year? I've taken like a couple of late round dart throws on him, mm -hmm. but it's not like I'm going into drafts like. Are, are you? That's been your guy. I know it's been my guy, right? Like I'm mostly asked. I'm mostly because because Hytham Kalani sitting here in the room and he gives <laughs> me a hard time about it. I think, 
I don't think I'm in on Michael Gallup this year, which pretty much guarantees that he's actually going to break <laughs> through this year because I have finally decided to back off of him. Um, but I think at this point, we've sort of seen who he is. We sort of know what the ceiling is. And with Lamb and Cooks there, uh, that doesn't really give him, I think, a whole lot of opportunity. I asked that just for you, Hytham, just uh, just so you could hear me. <laughs> MG talk stick about together. It. Um, that's right. It's MGs, man. We got to stay close. Uh, over to the New York Giants. Last year, their fantasy top scorers, uh, Daniel Jones, QB9 at 294 fantasy points. Saquon Barkley leading the way at running back. No shock there. 284 points. He was your RB5. So you want to talk about the power of rushing quarterbacks, right? Daniel Jones is a top 10 quarterback. His top fantasy wide receiver was Darius Slayton, who was wide receiver 52. And Daniel Bellinger was his top tight end, tight end 34 with 75 fantasy points. Daniel Jones, as a fantasy quarterback, was not really getting it done through the air last year. He was mostly getting it done with his rushing ability. I mean, look, as a fantasy manager, you'll take it pretty much any way you can get it. But it just kind of goes to show. Uh, key losses. Key losses in air quotes here. Kenny Galladay, who, who at some point I literally <laughs> forgot was on the team, uh, and Richie James. Uh, their key additions in free agency, they go get Cole Beasley, Paris Campbell, Jamison Crowder. The big one, of course, is Darren Waller. Then in the draft, they add uh, wide receiver Jalen Hyatt and running back Eric Gray. Saquon, first guy off the board, especially now that he has signed and we know he's going to be there for a year. Uh, around pick eight generally is where he is going couple questions one hype train or smoke screen darren waller has a shot to be the tight end one this year i'm gonna say hype train just because i love darren waller <laughs> and he is a top three tight end for me and my most drafted fantasy tight end but realistically the percentage odds of any tight end not named travis kelsey being the tight end one this year are probably in the the single digits like darren waller has like a two percent chance or something <laughs> right. like that of being the tight end one but I, I do have him ranked as the tight end three, and uh, I might I, I've been toying with the idea of maybe bumping him up, but I think I'm probably going to leave him at three. But if you ask me outside of Travis Kelsey, who is if they all stay healthy, who is going to have the most volume this year? For me, it is a lock that it is Darren Waller, uh, which is why I'm so bullish on him. And I think he also gets to go back to a role that fits his skill set. Last year with Devontae Adams, he was getting fewer targets and they were asking him to be more of a intermediate to downfield threat whereas with the Giants now they're saying everything is going to be short to intermediate and no one can cover him on that portion of the field I, I just trust Brian Dable to put his big name players in the best chance they, to succeed and I think he'll do so with Darren Moore. yeah no I'm I'm hype train on this and I this isn't me saying it's going to for sure happen but I do think it is within the realm of possibility because uh he is the one guy in that offense that I think you can count on to reliably, consistently earn targets. And I think even more than that, he is the guy that you can count on to earn targets in the red zone near the goal line. Uh, Dwayne McFarland tweeted. He had the best tweet about the Giants. Uh, he tweeted the picture of uh, Robert Wadlow, who you, know, <laughs> you probably know is the, the world's tallest man throughout history. Get his book a world record. And it's just a picture of Wadlow with... People who are probably normal sized humans, but they all look like <laughs> children next to him because he is so tall. And the, the caption was Darren Waller with the wide receivers at Giants camp. That's what it is. The Giants have a collection of basically slot guys. And then they've got this big monster tied in when they have to throw the ball near the end zone. Waller's probably going to be the guy they look to first and foremost. So I expect the touchdown upside to be huge on top of just the targets he's going to get uh, throughout the course of the game and, and between the 20s as well. So I think it's, it's, in the, it's in the realm of possibility. Look, very likely at the end of the year, it'll probably still be Travis Kelsey because you're talking about one of the most talented tight ends playing with the best quarterback in arguably the best offense. That leads to, to production and fantasy points. But uh, don't count Waller out completely uh, in that situation. As for Daniel Jones, QB9, he turns it into a big contract with the Giants in the offseason. Uh, career high in passing yards, career low in interceptions. Can he duplicate his 2022 performance? Um, I think... I think top 10 quarterback is his ceiling. I think it is in the range of outcomes. I just think it'll come a little bit differently. You talk about his career high in passing yards, it's 3,200. Like, it wasn't like he set the world <laughs> on fire or anything. The reason he was so great was 700 rushing yards, 
seven rushing touchdowns. That is more rushing touchdowns than he had in the first three years combined. I It was something that I thought was possible with Brian Dable coming over, and, and I'm happy it came to fruition. I think he'll still give you points with his legs. I'm just not going to bank on 707. If I get those numbers, I will be ecstatic, but I, I'm not going to go in expecting that. I think we'll get more passing numbers this year. I think Darren Waller, if he stays healthy, is a 1,000-yard tight end, which obviously boosts Daniel Jones. I also think Jalen Hyatt, uh, who I wanted the Giants to draft before the draft, is in an amazing fit for them because last year, not only was their receiving room all small guys, like he said, but they had no, they had the least amount of attempts, completions, and yards on deep passes, where I think Jalen Hyatt, the, the talk about him every day is that he is the fastest human alive, um, <laughs> and he could just win downfield. So I, I think we're going to see a lot more deep shots, and they'll have more success on that, which will lead to more longer touchdowns, lead to more scoring opportunities, and more passing yards for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... In terms of production, I'm with you. I think Jones is about at his ceiling. I think he can do something similar again this year, right? I think he can get you another 3,200 passing yards. Uh, maybe the passing touchdown number goes up, but the rushing no touchdown number comes down. I think it all sort of evens out. As for him being a top 10 quarterback, um, you know, I don't know because I think you know, if you get a full healthy season out of Justin Herbert, does he creep into the top 10 and knock him out? Uh, I think we're expecting that Deshaun Watson is going to improve this year. Does he get into the top 10? Uh, Lamar Jackson, if he has a full healthy season, does, he's likely a top 10 guy. So I think there's three guys right there that can finish ahead of Daniel Jones and knock him out of top 10 status. So I think that makes him more in the realm of a fringe QB1. I think that finish last year was in part because of some of the guys who just weren't healthy <laughs> for a good stretch of the season. So I think statistically, I think you can see him put up similar numbers. If you think that's going to be good enough to make him a top 10 quarterback, then I think you might end up being uh, a little bit disappointed. Um, about to talk to Warren Sharp, but before we do that, I got to remind you, NFL Fantasy is back. You can download the NFL Fantasy app, sign up and draft to be entered to win two tickets to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, Nevada. No purchase necessary. In 10-19-23, open to legal residents of the 50 United States and the District of Columbia who are 18 years of age or older. For rules and details on bonus entries and alternate means of entry, visit NFL.com slash Fantasy Sweeps 2023. Joined now by a special guest. If you are part of NFL Twitter or football Twitter at all, chances are you have seen his work. He is the founder of Sharp Football, uh, a very smart guy. I guess that's why the name is Sharp. And uh, arguably the owner of the best mustache in all of football <laughs> sports media. It is the one and only Warren Sharp. Warren, thank you for the time. How are you, man? I'm doing great. We were just talking about it before we recorded here. Uh, certainly got a little bit of time down to recharge the engines, but back into uh, almost what feels like regular season mode. Uh, now that camps are up and running and preseason games have already started and certainly a fun time to be an NFL fan and a challenging time to be an NFL analyst because <laughs> all these player news and injuries and transactions are, are just flying left and right. And you got to try to keep up with it but it's it's a great time to be involved with the nfl absolutely well the sharp football analysis 2023 football preview is out it is available now uh this thing is 520 plus pages of goodness take me through the history of this man like when did you start this and, and how has it grown into what it is now so I, I literally started probably seven, eight years ago with like 60 pages you know a couple pages on each team and it's grown more in depth. And then I've had to shrink the font size down a little bit as well <laughs> to try to get more information jammed in there. At one point I was, I was selling hard copies. Now, now I'm selling PDFs just because the page count has continued to grow. Uh, but it's basically, you know, it's my journey through the off season every single year because the NFL changes so much year to year. And the first stage in the process is trying to understand what teams did last year the, the real reason that they finished with the records that they did because Bill Parcells has said you are what your record says that you are but we know that that's not actually true when you look back in hindsight and it could give value to teams that maybe were like a little bit underrated last year teams that were overrated like the Vikings who went 13 and 4 probably shouldn't have uh, and so we look back at, to understand why these teams actually 
had the records they did last year. And then what's changed? You know, they get rid of their coaches uh, starting in January timeframe. And so coaching changes, then you have free agency, then you have the NFL draft, then you have the schedule release, which we already knew that happens in May. We already knew who you played, but now we know when you're going to play them, which factors into how much rest does your opponent have before they face you? And are you at a detriment? Do you have an advantage? Uh, how many games do you have advantages? So even the schedule release matters. And then it's just about predicting roles for the different players, predicting coaching jobs, what philosophies might change, what strategies might change. Uh, so it takes months to write this book, uh, but it's basically what I call the fastest way to get smart for the upcoming season because you, there's 32 team chapters, the 500 plus pages broken up, and you can really get a good handle as to what I think is going to happen for each of these teams based on how I think the coaches are going to utilize the players and how the players are going to perform. And Warren, you've been a leader in this front, but when it comes to data analysts in the NFL, where do you think it's impacted the game the most? Well, we are definitely seeing, um, I think it's in concert with the rules changes, but an emphasis on early down passing. And we're seeing shorter passes with higher completion rates, uh, we're, we're seeing more teams go for it on fourth down, this uh, realization that possessing the ball is much more important, uh, this realization that passing efficiency, just truly measuring the edge that you get when you pass the football as compared to when you run the football. And I know there's like a massive trickle down then into like the, the, the valuation of running backs and how they're being perceived. And uh, that's certainly, you know, taken the forefront of the offseason, uh, I, I guess, uh, like landscape the past couple of months in terms of some of these running backs who want to get their contracts and whatnot. But the, the goal is for all of these teams, my goal, and one of the things that why I like talking about it publicly, why I sometimes talk to coaches in private and work for them as a consultant, is I love the sport of football a ton, and I want to see efficient football out there. I don't want to see coaches calling plays that don't have good chances of working. I don't want teams struggling. I hate it when fans are mad at their teams, but then defend their teams because they're diehard fans and they feel like they have to defend their team no matter what, but their coaching staff is calling plays that's hurting their opportunities to win games, forget the talent on their roster. Um, and, I, and one of the things that I think has been really a breath of fresh air is just like watching the way a great coach like Andy Reid utilizes a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, we could talk about this in greater detail, but just high level, you know, looking at the depth of target from Andy Reid, uh, for, from uh, Patrick Mahomes, he's got one of the shortest throw distances in the NFL. And he could be pushing the ball deeper. And Andy Reid could tell Patrick Mahomes, you know, at 50% of these plays, I need you to go into the phone booth, throw on that Superman cape, come out here and save the team. I need you to make these big dynamite plays 50% of the time. But he doesn't do that. He tries to make life easy for his quarterback. He tries to make the job as easy as possible. And only maybe 15% of the time does Mahomes have to throw on that Superman cape. Let's execute a very uh, high floor offense that is going to, stay out of third downs and move the ball down the field. And so I think a lot of uh, analytics has helped in teams bypassing third downs, throwing the football a little bit more frequently and going for it more often on fourth down. Well, you talk about efficiency and, and using quarterbacks. And obviously for fantasy, we love the Chiefs. We love Patrick Mahomes and that sort of thing. Uh, similarly, though, in the same division, right, we all had big expectations for a guy like Russell Wilson last year in Denver. That went poorly. They bring in Sean Payton. Uh, when you look at, at what Sean Payton's done historically and what, you know, what they need in Denver, can he, and I'm using air quotes here, can he fix Russell Wilson, do you think, and make this offense a little bit more efficient this year? I think the answer to both is yes. The question is, is, is that fix, you know, uh, a duct tape fix that's going to allow your batteries to stay in the remote control for the TV and it still works, <laughs> but some of the buttons are a little sticky and they don't, they don't press all the right way. And, you know, you have to hit the power button five times to turn it on. Um, or are you getting a brand new remote control that's actually going to be reliable and trustworthy? I don't know the answer to that, but I will say that Definitely from a coaching perspective, we know that there was a little bit of truth, though. He said it in probably the wrong way and probably inappropriately 
to the fact that this team was very poorly coached last year from just the penalties to the inefficiency to the uh, to the way that they were getting plays in to the way that they were operating the offense. A lot of problems with Denver last year. One of the first and foremost things that I think Sean Payton tried to do is come in and get better protection for Russell Wilson, because all quarterbacks, doesn't matter who you are, if you know that you've got a little bit better protection there, if you feel a little bit more confident standing there, getting ready to snap the football, that's going to go a long way in your overall uh, ability to execute whatever play is being radioed into you. So I think the protection factor is a big thing. I think the uh, the way that they're going to get their plays in and get to the line of scrimmage a little bit quicker, in my opinion, and have things a little bit better prepared for Russ is also going to be a factor in helping him feel a little bit more comfortable behind center. Um, whether or not that actually elevates this team enough so that they're competitive in the AFC West, that's another story entirely. You know, last year they became, and he did, uh, and, and I certainly wasn't expecting him to have the year that he did last year, but they came sort of a, uh, a laughing stock of the league in terms of how bad things were going. And I think one of the ways that it, we reached a crescendo midseason was that Thursday night game against the Indianapolis Colts. It was just a disaster to watch unfold on live TV in front of the entire nation and world. So I think that there's nowhere to go but up. And I do think that we are trending in the right direction. And I respect Sean Payton a ton. And I think he understands the direction and the focus for uh, for this team and where they need to go. I do find it odd that some people were suggesting that the fact that Sean Payton made these statements is kind of like already building in an excuse for him in case things go poorly. Because I actually view it in the entire opposite vein. And that is that if he is saying that last year it wasn't necessarily the players, it was the coaching, then if he doesn't come in and do a good job coaching this team, it's going to be on him. It's not going to be on the players because the players weren't the ones he was blaming for the performance last year. He was saying the coaching was so miserable, worst he's ever seen. So I think there is pressure on Sean Payton to come in and turn this thing around. Now, he obviously has the ability, if it doesn't work, to say Russell Wilson is completely unfixable and he's totally broken and nobody's going to ever get anything more out of him. Um, but I, I really think we're going to get a nice season out of like a tight end like Greg Dolchich. I think that we're going to see a much better Russell Wilson than we did last year. I think the offensive line is going to give him better protection. But I just think that there are still a lot of question marks there that haven't been answered just by bringing in Sean Payton. And Warren, who are some rookies that you are expecting to break out? We all know Bijan Robinson, but outside of Bijan, is there any other rookies that you think will have a really big year? Well, no doubt, I think um, when we're talking about receivers, it's it's easy to name all the names that probably you guys have already thought about. Um, I, I like Dalton Kincaid, who usually is not going to get a lot of talk as a as a first round tight end, as a as a, as a first year tight end, because most of those guys take a while to really make an impact. But I think that this Buffalo Bills team was so miserable down at the goal line. I'm actually going to be writing an article about how much this team has struggled down at the goal line the last two years. It wasn't just after Brian Dayball left. It was actually the, the, the last year of Brian Dayball. Josh Allen's passing at the goal line, shockingly. I mean, he this is the a top two offense. If you look at the top two offenses over the last two years on, on points scored, on efficiency, you can look at it on a yardage basis, on a points basis, on an efficiency basis. The Chiefs and the Bills are the top two offenses in the NFL the last two years. But down at the goal line, inside the three-yard line, the Buffalo Bills have been a bottom three offense and in some cases the worst offense in the entire NFL over the last two years. I'm going to talk about this in an article I'm, I'm working on that I'm be, going to be publishing next week. Um, but I think that you can get some more of these two tight end sets and get more tight end targets down at the goal line. I don't know that that's the only way to fix it, but you do have to get Josh Allen to get on schedule and get the ball out of his hands quicker down at the goal line. This team is sacrificing a lot of touchdowns, which obviously is very important in a fantasy football uh, perspective. They're sacrificing a lot of touchdowns down there because 
these plays are taking too long to develop and Josh Allen's holding on to the ball too much and he's scrambling under the pressure, whereas they need to get some quicker hitting passes and I think line up in some more heavier groupings, but then pass out of it quickly. I think that could be a potential answer and could get Dalton Kincaid some more goal line uh, work than we might otherwise expect him to get down there. There's a lot of other receivers that have made a, a impact, I think, from a or that might make an impact from a, a, a fantasy perspective that were drafted highly. So I'm re- not really going to go into detail on them, but I will just add, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are in year two that were in their first year last year and didn't play a full season. Uh, I think are going to have better years this year. So they're not true rookies, but a guy like uh, Desmond Ritter, who's on Bijan Robinson's team, as you alluded to, I mean, I know that there's been some things that have come out in camp where it looks like he's inaccurate. He's missing this target, that target, the other. I think this offense is going to catch some people off guard this year. I think this offense can be a lot more explosive and score a lot more points than they scored last season. And I say that for two reasons. Number one, down inside the red zone, this team was one of the worst in the NFL. And that is very atypical from what Arthur Smith usually gets down inside of the red zone. His red zone offenses, whether it's been in Tennessee, and yes, you have the advantage of having a Derrick Henry, uh, or in Atlanta's first year, much better than what we saw out of this unit last season. Marcus Mariota really struggled to throw the football down inside the red zone. I think they're going to get into the red zone and score more touchdowns than they did last year. I think this unit is going to do a better job than they did last year in that regard. Secondly, I think we're going to see more explosive plays down the field. Marcus Mariota was the least accurate thrower of the football on passes to over 20 yards last season. I think Desmond Ritter, therefore, can't be any worse. I think there's going to be improvement from some of these receivers. I think, I mean, anybody who owned Kyle Pitts, who was obviously a highly drafted tight end last year, understands the pain of him being open and the ball being, you know, on his fingertips or uncatchable on these deep passes. And I think that has to go, has to improve and will improve this upcoming season. And thus, um, I think you're going to see a lot of like the rising tide lifts all ships. I think a lot of the receivers down in Atlanta, it's hard for me to really pinpoint one and say, oh, that's the guy this year is really going to, to break out. But um, the concert of all these offensive players down there uh, with a great offensive line, one of the best in the NFL, very underrated offensive line and an improved defense that's going to get opponents off the field more, give Atlanta a little bit more opportunities offensively to have more plays and a higher play volume. I think will help the Falcons too. I should mention, by the way, you can go uh, in the, uh, the the preseason guide there, uh, a fantasy section written by the very excellent Rich Rebar, who also does stuff uh, for sharp, sharp football analysis uh, at the website as well. I, I got to ask, in, in terms of coaching and teams that, that make changes, especially at offensive coordinator, how much does that impact an offense from year to year? And I, I guess this is sort of disguised as an Eric Bieniemy question in Washington, but but how much impact can that have on an offense from one year to the next? Well, it's, it's massive. Um, in, in my opinion, this is what makes football so intriguing and difficult. Like you think about baseball, a pitcher just goes up to the mound. He's, he's throwing his pitches. Like you can really analyze what this pitcher does. It doesn't really matter who his coach is, right? It's, it's about this pitcher. In football, it's totally different. I, I think that these guys, uh, all these quarterbacks are, are chained at the hip to their offense coordinator. Like it does not matter um, what level of quarterback you are. If your offensive coordinator is not elevating you, then you are not going to reach your full potential. And it matters big time what plays are called in there. And it matters big time what the quarterback, based on his offensive quarter, is allowed to do from a uh, audible standpoint, from a flexibility standpoint, from seeing a defense, how they're lining up and being able to get into the right play call. And that's why, you know, Patrick Mahomes is so lucky to have Andy Reid. Obviously, Mahomes is elite. Reid definitely helps raise the game there of even the best quarterback in the NFL. So if it matters who your play caller is for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, think about how important that might be for a guy like Sam Howell or some of these other quarterbacks that are younger and looking to make a name for themselves across the league. So I have a higher regard for offensive coordinators in general and the impact and the way that play calling matters. That's why I study it to the degree that I do is because I think it's a vital aspect of football analysis. It's very difficult to separate the play calls from the player, uh, but I think that it is so important. And with regard to Washington, I mean, this team 
was the most run-heavy team. They had the most time of possession of any team in the NFL last season. I'm not quite sure if this was a Ron Rivera thing where he was trying to enforce this on Scott Turner, who ultimately became the scapegoat and was fired. But this team was so focused on running the football on first down, the highest run rate in the NFL. These runs were not successful whatsoever. And then you were leading to like this desire to just have time of possession. They didn't even have a winning record last year, and yet they had the most time of possession by far of any team in the NFL. That should not be aligning if you're not that good. You need to figure out a way to score points and do it a little bit quicker, generate some more explosive plays offensively. One of the things that we know from Eric Bieniemy that he should be bringing from Kansas City, though I'm really excited to see if this is what ultimately happens because, A, it's like, okay, well, how much of the offense in Kansas City was Eric Bieniemy a part of? We don't know that yet. We're going to find out soon. And B, like, how much does Ron Rivera try to uh, control what happens there? Because I hope it's very little. I want to see Eric Bieniemy flourish and do what he wants to do. Uh, but they were the pa- highest pass rate team in the NFL. So we're going from the most run-heavy team in the league last year in Washington. Now they bring in an offense coordinator from the most pass-heavy team in the league. It's a lot easier to pass the football when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. You have a lot more confidence in doing that. But I think one of the things that a lot of coaches lose sight of is that, like, let's say you're Ron Rivera, you're a defensive-minded head coach. You think one of the most important things is time of possession, don't have turnovers, so you therefore try to run the football a little bit more, especially on early downs. You're trying to protect your quarterback and lower his pass rate a little bit. The problem with that is this. If you have a younger and inexperienced quarterback, the best time to throw the ball is when the defense is expecting a run to be called. The worst time to throw the ball is in a predictable passing situation. And what inevitably happens when you run the ball too much on first down or first and second down is, especially if you're going into heavier box counts because the defense can't anticipate, is you're going to be faced with a lot more third down passing situations, third and five, third and eight, third and nine, third and 10, et cetera, that you're going to have to pass the football out of. The defense can pin their ears back and attack you. The other problem that running the football a lot does is it does not allow you to gain leads. It does not allow you to get out in front of opposing teams. And as a result, you are always going to be in situations late in the game where you're playing from behind, which is another one of those predictable passing situations. Whereas if you are able to jump out to a lead, the playbook is completely open. You can call a pass or a run in third or fourth quarter. Defense doesn't know what's coming. And now your quarterback can thrive a little bit. So um, play calling is vital. The addition of EB in D.C., is just a massive juxtaposition versus what they were doing last year. I think they're going to lean more into the pass. I hope Ron Rivera stays out of it more, and I'm excited to see what this offense can do, passing the football a little bit more. But I do have my, I guess, hesitations about feeling that the commanders are going to be a good team and have success this year, even though they play in the NFC, which is by far the weaker conference, because they go up against a more difficult schedule. And I think of all the divisions in the NFC, theirs is the most difficult top to bottom of the top three teams. Like I expect the Giants to regress significantly this year. I think they're going to play better football. I think they're going to be a better team. They're going to have a worse record. However, they got lucky last season, but that team's going to be better. You got the Eagles and the Cowboys in that same division. I just think it's going to be difficult for Washington to finish anywhere but fourth in the NFC East. Good stuff there. The Sharp Football Analysis 2023 football preview is available now. Warren, where can folks go pick it up? Just go to the URL sharp.football. It's a hack we created, sharp.football. It takes you right to the page that you can get your copy of the book. I think it's going to be the fastest way for you to get smart for the upcoming season. Absolutely. His name is Warren Sharp. You can find him on Twitter at sharpfootball. Warren, we appreciate the time. Uh, Excellent work here. Enjoy the season, my man. Thank you. You guys, too. All right. It's Warren Sharp. Uh, We'll take a quick break. Come back with more on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, 
Green Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Thanks again to Warren Sharp for his time. Uh, be sure to go pick up the uh, Sharp Football Analysis 2023 season preview. Chalk full of goodness. Like I said, 523 pages. Uh, I will be on my way to the Fantasy Football Expo this weekend in Canton. I may be you know, perusing that on the plane uh, between here and Ohio. We'll see. Um, back to our preview of the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles are next up. You're defending NFC champions in last year. Uh, all their top fantasy scores were pretty much the guys you would expect. Jalen Hurts was the QB three overall, 384 points. Miles Sanders, uh, 216 fantasy points, RB 15. A.J. Brown, wide receiver six, just a hair under 300 fantasy points. And Dallas Goddard, uh, 141.2 was the tight end 12. In the offseason, some of their notable losses, Gardner Minshew uh, and Miles Sanders. Meanwhile, their additions, they add Marcus Mariota and Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift and Olamide Zacchaeus through free agency. Uh, no offensive skill position players in the draft, so not a really surprise. They seem set pretty much at all those positions. Uh, first off the board, A.J. Brown, who has an ADP overall of uh, the 14th pick. Looking at the backfield, though, they bring in DeAndre Swift, who had a very good season in Detroit. They bring in Rashad Penny, who was playing really well in Seattle before he got hurt. These are two guys that we know can be productive. Two guys that we know have sort of extensive injury history. So between the two of them, who you got? I'm going to take Rashad Penny at cost because right now DeAndre Swift is RB24 in drafts going at pick 78, whereas Rashad Penny RB34 going at pick 102. So you're getting like, what, three rounds, four rounds of a discount on Mm -hmm. him, something like that. Um and I think that if anyone takes over the Miles Sanders role from last year is just like the lead back with 
with Jalen Hurts. I think it's Rashad Penny, who is the better runner of the two. DeAndre Swift is the, I would say, the more all-around talent. He can be used in the passing game and do a whole lot of, of different things, whereas Penny is just the a, a great runner. He is not a pass catcher by any stretch, and that's kind of the role that Miles Sanders played last year. Um I thought I was going to be more in on Swift until all the reports were that like, hey, he's playing out of the slot and they're using him all over the field. And I'm like, that's not good for a running back. <laughs> like, it's good if you get some work like that. But when that is your primary job, like, no. So I, I think Rashad Penny, who is one of the best runners in football when healthy, that's the only question is how long is he going to stay healthy? The, the real answer is probably that Philly is going to try to piece it together because Swift and Penny have struggled to stay healthy. But when we're talking about getting a, a piece of this run game outside the top 100 picks, it's hard for me to say no. I, I think you're right in terms of Philly just trying to piecemeal this thing together and us seeing a lot of both of these running backs. I will say even at cost, well, I was going to say I was I was leaning toward DeAndre Swift and you throwing out this thing about him in the slot and everything kind of makes me rethink that. But I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stay with DeAndre Swift just because of the pass catching upside that if the two of them end up splitting these opportunities and who knows if it's a 50 50 split, who knows what happens to a guy like Kenneth Gainwell. Um, I think that pass catching upside is going to sort of win the day there. Uh, the other thing I fear for Penny's sake is. The Eagles being known for that that sort of QB sneak at the goal line and everybody just rushing and pushing Jalen Hurts in. Does that take away from a lot of his touchdown opportunity? That worries me a little bit. So I'm going to go even uh, having it be three or four rounds earlier. I think I'm going to go DeAndre Swift. But I do think both of these guys are going to be really, really productive. As long as you're not relying on either of them to be your RB1. I think you're going to be happy with them. It's just, you know, it may be frustrating in certain weeks when, you know, you're starting Penny and it's Swift getting all these touches and vice versa. Uh, but I do think both of them could be productive this year. Um, we talk about tight ends. We talk about the guys at the top, right? We talk Kelsey and Andrews and Pitts and Waller. Um, and then we talk about like the later round guys, right? That's when we talk about the Dalton Kincaids and the Sam Laportas, uh, the Tyler Higbees. We don't really talk a lot about the guys in the middle. Dallas Goddard is one of those who's just sort of hanging out kind of in that that netherworld in the middle of the tight end. He's the middle class of tight ends, if you will. How do you feel about him this year? I think Dallas Goddard, it, to me, I don't like him as much as like Darren Waller and they go similar range. So I have a lot of Darren Waller and not as much Dallas Goddard. Um but I think Dallas Goddard is one of the tight ends that you want to target in drafts this year. I keep saying, like, after the top seven, I think there's a there's still other good players at the position. But I think there's a significant fall off in terms of floor and upside that they bring. And Dallas Goddard comes with concerns because there's A.J. Brown and there's Devonta Smith. And we know Philly's going to run the ball a whole lot. But he's a very good player on a very good offense that even if some weeks has volume concerns, he's going to get his Last year, he was one of four tight ends to average over two yards per route ran. The other three, Chiga Conquo, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. So absolute elite company to be in. Uh, I Again, I don't like him as much as Darren Waller and even Kyle Pitts, who go around where he goes. So I don't have a whole bunch of him. But if those two were gone and he was like the fallback option, I'd be perfectly fine clicking draft on him. That's the thing is that I because, as you mentioned, of where he goes, that's kind of got me out on him. And it's not about him as a player or even the situation. It's just when I look around in, in drafts, right, about the spot he's going, say, the sixth round or so, um, there are other guys going in that spot, whether it's a wide receiver like a Christian Watson, maybe a Marquise Brown, uh, running backs. You know, I think, you know, I'm waiting for the Alvin Kamara ADP to catch up. I think that's going to change. But right now, Alvin Kamara, James Cook, uh, you know, even Antonio Gibson. I would rather take shots on those guys. Or if I'm going to go with the quarterback, right? Dak's there. Trevor Lawrence is there. There are a lot of players I would rather have at other positions than, say, a Dallas Goddard. I have tended to be of the opinion of I'm either going to go early, I'm going to take that shot at Kelsey or Andrews early, or I'm going to wait till late and I'm going to draft a, you know, a Dalton Kincaid. I'm going to draft a Tyler Higbee. I just have not really been living sort of in this middle area there. And so that has kind of gotten me out on Goddard. 
I think overall his numbers are going to be fine. I just think that when you're drafting him in that spot, you're missing out on a lot of other players that I think can help you in other areas. That, for me, is sort of the reason uh, that I've kind of stayed away from from Dallas Goddard this year. Uh, Last team in the NFC East, it is the Washington Commanders. Uh, Last year, their top-scoring quarterback was Taylor Heineke at 122 points. He was QB 30. Carson Wentz, 0.2 points behind him, 121.8. I I had to throw that in there because I was looking at that and it just blew my mind that Taylor Heineke uh, was 0.2 points better than Carson Wentz. By the way, have you seen the the photos? I was of Carson just going to ask you that. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the the piecemeal workout uniform, the, he had. the eagle helmet, the the commander's jersey, the Colts shorts. Yeah, I, I was like, listen, you're not on a roster right now, not because you're not one of the best sixty four ro- uh, quarterbacks on the planet. There's another reason, and that is not helping. <laughs> That's not helping your cause at all. That you look like a refugee from a memorabilia <laughs> sale. Uh, yeah, that was wild. Uh, anyway, he was QB 31. Heineke was uh, was 30. Antonio Gibson, your top scoring running back in Washington, uh, 165. Uh, he was RB 28. Terry McLaurin, no surprise, your top wide receiver, 229 points. Wide receiver, 14. Logan Thomas, uh, your top tight end, uh, the well, tight end, 32 at 77 points. I'm scrolling through. Um, tight end was kind of rough generally in the uh, NFC. I guess not terrible. They had uh, yeah Goddard and you had uh, Dalton Schultz. I guess it wasn't totally terrible uh, in the NFC East at tight end. Uh, key losses. Heineke has moved on. Carson Wentz, I guess. Uh, I mean, just because you know they had to fill a couple quarterback spots. JD McKissick is gone. Cam Sims is gone. Not much in the way of additions there in uh, in Washington. Jacoby Brissett comes in as a free agent, and then they add Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator. You heard uh, Warren Sharp talking about him a little bit and what he could mean for a young quarterback like Sam Howell and for this offense uh, overall. First player off the board, Terry McLaurin, an ADP of about fifty. Um, so you heard Warren talking about the fact that he does think that having a good offensive coordinator can mean a lot of difference, especially for a young, unproven quarterback. Does Eric Bieniemy in Washington make you any more interested in taking pieces of this offense? Yes. Um, I'm more interested in certain pieces because of it. Like, I cannot quit Terry McLaurin. And uh, <laughs> I, I wrote about 10 value uh, to the 10 best values of wide receivers. He is in that article. Um my my thing is you you have here he goes off the board at 50th overall. I have I am hard pressed to say there's 49 players better than Terry McLaurin. Um at least offensively. But even that he's going right now as like wide receiver 24, which is where he finished last year. And then you add in Eric Bieniemy. I don't see how the passing attack gets any worse than what it was. And my viewpoint continues to be I think Ron Rivera is coming into this year on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. So while I think they want to go with Sam Howell, I see this quarterback room playing out in two ways. Either Sam Howell will play better than we are anticipating, and that lifts Terry McLaurin, or he will struggle, he will get benched, and they'll bring in Jacoby Brissett, who was an above-average quarterback last year and lifted Amari Cooper to be a wide receiver one. So I think that Terry McLaurin could get a similar boost to that. And let's not forget when Taylor Heineke was in the game, you wanted to play Terry McLaurin. (laughs) When it was Carson Wentz and he was afraid to throw the ball more than five yards downfield and he was dumping it off every game to Curtis Samuel, yeah, Terry McLaurin had some down weeks there. The, The differences with Carson Wentz and every other quarterback in his career is vast. So... For me, Terry McLaurin is the only player in Washington that I'm like bullishly going into drafts hoping to come away with. But I think like Jahan Dotson, you can get excited for. I think Sam Howell will be better in fantasy for however many games that he starts than the draft price you have to pay because he's a good rushing quarterback. Besides that, though, I don't get excited about a whole lot. I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely not drafting either of the quarterbacks, Howell or Brissett, whoever it is that wins that job. I'm assuming it's Howell. Um I don't really want them. McLaurin, I'm fine with. John Dotson, I'm fine with. I've even heard some people make a compelling case for Curtis Samuel at ADP. Not necessarily overall, but at least at ADP, I've, I've heard people make a compelling case. Um, where I have sort of waffled all offseason is in the backfield, which actually kind of gets you to the, the next question. I, early on in draft season, was sort of alternating between 
Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, especially if I was going more of a zero RB or a hero RB sort of build. I would take one of those two guys and I would kind of alternate between which one I took, understanding that they have different roles and can do different things. Uh, Lately, I haven't really done quite as much of that. Uh, I I do think the passing game is going to really take a a step forward this year. And I think that certainly goes against Robinson. For you, how are you approaching, if at all, (laughs) this Washington backfield? I don't have many shares if any of either of these two and it's not I think they're both good talented running backs I don't know which one is going to I truly cannot tell you like if you ask me right now which I could give you my best guess but with confidence I because it's a new OC here Brian Robinson I think got a very poor shake last year as a rookie he legitimately got shot right before the season started Mm -hmm. uh, and that hampered him but I could see him being the short yardage guy, the one getting the work near the vo- uh, near the goal line, whereas Antonio Gibson is more of the change of pace back in the passing game. But how much is like a quarterback like Sam Howe going to dump it off? Because he can run. I, I don't think it'll be much. So they're going around the same in the same round range for a reason. And just looking at the names who go around them, like you know, I like James Cook and Alvin Kamara a whole lot more than them. I'd rather take the shot on like Dalvin Cook. I'd rather take the shot on Rashad Penny. So there's just Khalil Herbert. There's other players that I like more than them in that range. So because of that, I don't typically draft them a whole lot. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. And like I said, as we've gotten further into draft season, um, I have kind of backed away a little bit from from drafting those two guys. But early on, maybe that was some early season, you know, mini camp OTA kind of hype about, you know, what these guys were doing. Um, I can't understand some concern about them. By the way, you mentioned Ron Rivera maybe being on the hot seat. I completely agree with that. You've got a new ownership group there um, looking to sort of turn around the fortunes of this franchise. And uh, the bad news for Washington and, and Warren Sharp sort of alluded to this. They can be better this year, but they're in a division where three teams made the playoffs last season. One of those three teams went all the way to the Super Bowl and certainly has the talent to do it again this year. Uh, It is an uphill battle for Riverboat Ron uh, there in D.C. We'll see how things turn out. His successor might already like Eric Bieniemy has been a top head coaching candidate for a while. And I just hope that the players saying he's too intense. I hope Terry McLaurin is not one of them. I feel like that's, you know, I feel like you get that a lot when you have a new coach come in, especially one who is as intense as Biennemi, uh, especially when they come to a franchise where things have maybe been a little bit lax for a long time now. Suddenly, you know, they're being asked to do a little bit extra and there is frustration about it. If they come out and they're successful early in the season, a lot of that complaining goes away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if they go out <laughs> and they start winning football games, people are not going to be upset uh, with how hard they got pushed during training camp. All right, uh, that's a good spot to give this one a rest. Again, big thanks to Warren Sharp for uh, coming on the show. You can check out the Sharp Football Analysis 2023 season preview uh, at sharp.football. And if you don't already, follow Warren at Sharp Football on Twitter. Twitter, right? We're not, we're not calling it X. It's Twitter. Someone just tweeted me, and I called it Twitter, and they called it X. And I was like, stop. I sent the gift of this. Stop trying to make the fetch happen. Yeah, don't, like, don't do that. Don't do that. It's still Twitter. Uh, anyway, we will be back again with you next week. By the way, a reminder as well, uh, Fantasy Live is back on your television sets starting on Monday, August 14th. We've got a series of preseason shows, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, for the next couple of weeks. So be sure to check that out as well. In the meantime, that'll do for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. A happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy preseason football. And if you see me in Canton, don't be afraid to buy me a beer. In the meantime, uh, we'll talk to you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.